you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. mentioned earlier there was a gentleman that came along a couple thousand years ago he said that it is done unto you as you believe I believe well welcome to our second week of our faith in action series based upon Don Miguel Ruiz's book the voice of knowledge and briefly, we talked about the idea that there's a voice of knowledge that really comes from the human place, that is changeable, that sometimes goes up and down, and here today, gone tomorrow, as opposed to the voice of truth, which is those things that never change. They're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we want to put our belief in the voice of truth the voice of who and what we really are. A number of years ago, I remember calling a friend who had a greeting on his voicemail, in case you didn't get him on the phone. And he said, at the sound of the beep, please tell me who you are and what you want. But he didn't leave it there. He said, now, you may think these are very simple questions, but most people go through their entire life and they never satisfactorily answer either one of them. <laughs> these are important questions. Questions to ask ourselves every single day. Because who we are is obviously more than our name or our background or place of birth or what we do. Sometimes we're bombarded by messages and advertising that seek to tell us what we need in order to be happy or to be complete. And if we accept those stories for ourselves, consciously or sometimes unconsciously, we find ourselves being snagged into believing that we're being sold, that whatever we're being sold is what we really want or what we need in order to be fulfilled in life. Now, we may find ourselves filled full of something, all right? <laughs> Usually the empty calories of life, if we accept that as our story. You know, Don Miguel points out that truth is we often have no idea what we really are. But we do know who we are not. 
And he says, we've been practicing who we are by not for so long, we start believing that image because it becomes our story. Stories we have that create sometimes unhappiness in our life, makes it hard for us to change our habits that we've had because after all, this is who I am. There's nothing you can do about it. Stories that challenge us in our ability to relate to other people, sometimes stories that lead to examples of frustration, anger, and even disappointment in life because of the stories we've accepted. And as I noted, noted a lot of times, we're not even conscious of these stories, but we're living from these stories every day, all day long. But of course, it doesn't mean that those stories are not true or they're false. They're not necessarily the entire truth. They're just one perspective. It's usually just a projection based upon a reality that is only true for us or whoever has, has that particular story. You know, this week when you talk about the artist's point of view, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz uses an analogy. Analogy of a great painter, Picasso, who paints a portrait of a person and the person says, well, that's not me. That's not how he is being perceived or he sees himself, but that's the way that it was perceived by the painter, by Picasso. We may not see that person the same way, but that's the way he sees him or he saw him. And what Picasso does with his colors, with his paints, we do with our stories. You know, different people can look at the exact same situation and think, you know, wow, they're not even in the same universe. It's almost like they're on two different planets. You know, I guess that's why that guy got that title of that book, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus sort of thing. You know, seeing the same thing, but two different perspectives. You know, you might have a story, which maybe you're a supervisor, somebody's your boss or something, and, you know, that person is very supportive and praises you a lot and, and, and says that, you know, you're doing a good job. You interpret that meaning you're doing a good job. You like your work environment. And this is the story that we make up, and that makes us happy. Another person could be in the exact same environment. They may look at the same experience. And they tell a story about how the work area is messy, about all the other people around them. They looked in my office. The people are always interrupting him. And, you know, the, you know, the person may be tired and the clients that they work with are rude and they smell bad and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, you might be upset with a partner or a mate and because he or she, you know, said something, you know, out of word, out of pocket, so to speak. Well, they didn't clean up their mess for the last few days. And another person could be in the exact same environment. But they tell a different story. And the story is about their partner, how, it's been, how that person's been working hard all day. And they've gone out of their way to maybe fix a nice meal for you. And they're tired. They just need a little comforting. Same experience. Same set of facts. But different perspectives. So they have different stories about whatever is going on. Now, telling ourselves stories is, of course, something very natural. We all do it. We do it all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if we're not aware of the stories we tell ourselves, we can't understand how they are shaping our happiness. We can't determine how they're shaping our relationships, affecting our moods, and more. You know, as I said, Don Miguel goes on to note that all the drama that we suffer in our personal life, and even on the planet, I would add, 
It's a result of believing in lies and false or distorted stories about ourselves. That's probably the most important story that we need to know. What is the story telling about ourselves? You know, I mentioned that there was a friend I spoke with recently, and, he, and you know, he was constantly beating himself up for the so-called mistakes he thought he had made in his life. And I'm thinking as he's saying these things that, you know, you might want to recognize that you're committing some sort of mental malpractice here, but I, you know, I just became quiet. Because he would have fantasies of all the bad things he had done, or the things that he did not do. And he said he was afraid to face the presence of God because he was thinking that he's going to get some sort of retribution from this presence. And, you know, I was saying, you know, don't do that. But he said, you know, before God beats me up, I'm going to beat myself up. So in hopes that if God sees me beating myself up, he'll have mercy on me or God will have mercy on me or the force will have mercy on me. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no God like that. But he kept on talking. And he started saying, you know, I'm a bad person. You know, I did this. I messed up. I made a mistake. Oh, my God, I'm a failure. Oh, my God, I'm some sort of born sinner. And I said, you might consider changing your story. I'm saying this in my mind at the moment, but I'm a good listener. To a story that's more empowering, I'm thinking. And the more empowering story is that we're made in the image and likeness of the divine. You know, in fact, we are divine centers in the mind of God. But somewhere along the line, we disidentify by making up a story. At least someone in history did. And it's a perception not related to the ultimate truth of who we are. As I like to remind myself, there was probably some hard of hearing theologian that misheard the word center for sinner. And, you know, he supposed he was saying that, you know, we're, you know, it's supposed to be we're centers in the mind of God. But he heard sinners in the eyes of God. So they made up a whole story all around that. Many people have been living from that false belief, leading to all kinds of problems based upon a story that misidentifies who and what we really are. I always believe that if we really knew, if everybody on the planet just for a moment, began to recognize the truth of who we are, our true identity as spiritual beings. Oh, we transform the world in a moment. But imagine someone is saying over and over again, there's something wrong with you right from the beginning. And eventually people believe that story. They begin to live out that story. As I like to say, a lie believed acts as truth until it's neutralized by the truth. But here's the thing. We have the ability to rectify this by telling a new story that sees ourselves rightly. We have the ability through describing our life to transform our life, to rectify our life, and see it from a higher point of view. That's the reason stories about ourselves are so important to know. They have a lot of power because we can never go beyond the story that describes who we are. And I believe until our stories are in league with God's idea of us, oh, we can pray all day long. We can affirm all day long. We can say positive things all day long. But how we describe ourselves ultimately plays out as our experience and our circumstances. But we can make stories that describe ourselves either as original sinners 
and live that out or live from stories that describe ourselves as original blessings, miracles, experiencing the presence of God and believe and trust in that. A lot of it is about identity. It's all about identity. You know, I was thinking about this story because it's about a college student and my, my son is in his last year in college and I was affirming that, yes, I hope it is. You know, he may have to go another semester, but it's all good. He's, he's a good kid. But there was a young man in his last term of college. And he had one final class to complete in order for him to graduate. And he decided he was going to take a class that was about nature and about birds. And he figured it would be an easy class. He figured he'd learn to get through it, and he would finally be done with school, done with college. I, I kind of remember that in my last year. Let me find a couple easy courses so I can just get on out of here. But he was an average student. He was studying. He studied really hard. He went to all the lectures. Uh, he took copious notes. He did the whole nine yards. And it came down to the final exam, and he was ready. He came into the class. He was ready. And he looked at the final exam, and he saw that it was only consisted of six questions. And there was... On the sheet of paper, there's a picture of all these little bird legs all in one column. And then the names of the birds in the second column. And the instructions of the exam was that he had to match the bird legs with the names of the birds. Needless to say, this student was furious. He had done all of this studying and took on all these notes and digitally reviewed every single thing in the textbooks. And so, you know, he had to take a breath. He gets centered. He went up to the professor and says, uh, uh, Professor, uh, your class has been great up until this moment. But I can't handle this kind of test. You know, after all, I've studied. I spent a whole lot of time preparing to get ready. This is silly. This is a stupid test. And the professor said to him, well, in his professorial voice, well, that's the test. And uh, if you don't take the test, uh, you're going to fail my class. And you're probably not going to graduate. And the student became irate, even more so after you know, trying to reason with him. And, and then after a while, he started totally disrespecting the, the professor. And he said, you know, you professor, and he was saying a few coarse words I can't say now. You don't know what you're doing. This is ridiculous. I refuse to take this dumb test. So the professor said, well, you know, you ought to either take the test or you're not going to pass my class. You're going to fail. And then the guy got even more irate. And said, I'm not taking this test, and said a few choice words about them. Said, this is stupid. And after a while, the professor got a little upset, and he has said to him, what is your name? You're not going to pass my class, even if you take the test. Identify yourself. And the, and, the, and the student pulled up his pants leg. He pointed to his leg, and he said to him, you identify me. You identify me. The point of the matter is, <laughs> it's all about identity. <laughs> we must describe ourselves as original blessings from on high. 
As Don Miguel points out, we are born perfect. Not that we do things perfect all the time on the human plane, but the essence of us is always perfect. We grow up perfect. We will left shuffle off the mortal coil. We'll still be perfect because perfection exists. But the big lie is that we're not perfect. There's not a part of us that is perfect. As that scripture says, be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. That mother, father, God, there's a part of us that is always perfect. And oftentimes we start to search for an image of perfection that can, we can never become something outside of ourselves. But we cannot reach perfection in that way because it is a false image. It comes from that voice of knowledge that we sometimes take in. It's a lie because we invest in that lie. We build a whole structure of lies to support it. We want to become aware of our stories because throughout the day, we may be telling ourselves stories that's going on outside of us about how people are wrong, how bad they are. Or we start to notice where we're telling ourselves about every single thing that takes place and be aware of what those stories are. Because if we're telling those stories in a way that's not beneficial to us, they are affecting our well-being, our happiness, and our joy. But if a story is making us happy, and we're aware of that, well, then great. We carry on. If we're not aware of it, hey, it's still great if it's making us happy. But what happens if the story starts to make us unhappy? makes us unhappy with our life and our way of being in the world. Then if we're not aware, we'll have difficulties. We'll have challenges. We'll feel out of sorts because if we're not in tune with who and what we are and we'll start to become aware of those stories, good and bad, we want to notice them throughout the day. Notice when we're getting stuck in a particular story. I don't know about you, sometimes I get a story that comes up in my mind and it's spinning around, spinning around, it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger in my head. You know, I shouldn't have done this. What's going on? And it leads to my own internal frustration on unhappiness as a person. But we can snap out of it. Understand, when we get hooked on a story, sometimes it's hard to break away from it. Because in our mind, it's true. I mean, after all, I know it's true. How do I know it's true? I just know it's true. But becoming aware of being hooked on a particular story is the first step to breaking away from the story to something that's more empowering for us. You know, the fact of the matter is our stories about ourselves. We want to have stories that reflect the truth of who and what we are, our divine self. We don't want to have stories to be that you know, our life is hard and then it's over and in between we have nothing but problems and difficulties along the way. No. We want stories that says we're made in the image of divineness of this presence. As I like to say, we have diviner genes within us. We're made out of this God presence and we're seeking to know that presence that only knows divine and perfect spiritual solution to whatever seems to be a problem in our life. Understand there's a big difference. You know, we do not want to tell God about our big problems. We want to tell our problems about our big God. I like that story. So stories are telling us to get back into center. Get back to the alignment with the force or the presence of God. Get back to your true nature. Get back to love. Get back to the peace that we truly are. 
And when we're in that space, we notice there is nothing, nothing to fight there. There is nothing to prove there. There's nothing to get rid of there. We are doing what God, the force, the presence wants us to do, and that is this. People ask, what does God want? God wants to be known and revealed. That's it. We're here to know God and manifest God. We're here to know God and manifest God. And when we continue to acknowledge and know that, which we can't really make happen, we just know it's when it's experience, we know we got it. We've made that connection. You know, as Don Miguel Reed says, you know, it's something you can experience. You can't force it on anybody, but you can experience it. So we're coming to an understand that God and God qualities in our life, that's what we want to know. And when we do, we can say, behold, I make all things new right now. So understand that the verdict is in. You're not guilty. The verdict is in. You're not lost. That's a story. The verdict is in is that you're not a victim. You know, some people say, look what they did to me. They didn't do anything to you. They did something that to me is the story. You know, the prognosis is in is that you're whole and perfect and complete. The report card is in. You are not a failure. You are the image and likeness of the presence and the power and the love of God. We want to celebrate that in and as our life and rejoice in that. And then we are free. This is what we are. And I'll say this. That's our story. And we stick into it. <laughs> so it is. So we let it be. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Transforming lives as we love, serve, and remember who we are. One heart.